0: Today we bring you the second episode in our seven-part series, No Night So Dark, telling the remarkable story of the Vels family. In the first part, we got to know the teenage Martin Vels and his parents in Prague a few weeks after the beginning of World War II. And travelling forward in time nearly 80 years, we met Martin's nephew Colin, who from his home in England is piecing together the shattered fragments of his family's past. In the second episode, we are drawn still further into the past as one family story uncovers another.
1: It is Christmas, 1938, and all is well with the family. We are in the world of Sancta Familia, the book that Tomáš and Martin Vels have put together for their parents and grandmother made up of everyday scenes from their lives. Martin is talking to his
2: mother. Mom, do you love me?
3: What do you think? Now, why are you asking? Have you been up to something? Own up. Better out than in. Raus mit der Wahrheit. You know, I I always find out anyway. Truth will out.
2: No, I haven't done anything. It's
3: just that... I love you. Du bist mein sußer That
1: means something like, you're my little sugar plum.
3: Tell me, shouldn't your new tutor Flanz be here?
2: He should be, but he hasn't shown up yet.
3: So, let's have a look at that homework you're meant to have done for him. You little rascal, du bist aber Just as I thought, trying to wrap me round your little finger. Pfui, I don't like you at all.
1: I'm looking up at the Wels family flat from the street below. The block was designed by Rudolf Wels himself. It's modern and elegant, with simple ribbon windows, contrasting with the -the turn-of-the-century wedding cake details of most of the other houses nearby. The entrance is lined with marble, like the houses designed by Adolf Loos, who inspired Rudolf as a student in Vienna. The Welses lived in the best flat on the top floor the big sunny terrace has railings like a transoceanic liner. Today, 80 years later, the façade is grey, the plaster is shabby and flaking, but the building still gives a sense of being modern and confident. And here, embedded in the pavement below, are three small brass plaques just by the entrance. They bear the names Martin Wels, Ida Wels and Rudolf Wels. Their date of birth and then murdered the 8th of March, 1944, in
2: Auschwitz. Greetings, Dad.
4: Greetings. I'm going to do some drawing too. Where's the pencil sharpener? You've put it somewhere. And I'm the one who has to look for it, you confounded child. Where have you put it? What? The pencil sharpener. Over there. Where over there?
2: Over there. Tell me. In the cupboard, can't you hear me?
4: Just tell me. It's not here.
2: Yes, it is.
4: But I have told you, it isn't here.
2: But it must be there. Then look for yourself. But if it is there, you're in deep trouble, Dad. Huh, it really isn't there.
4: See, you rascal, you rogue ragamuffin. Well, what
2: can I do when mum keeps moving things around all the time and then chucks everything in here? This place is such a mess. Just keep looking. Here it is.
4: Where was it?
2: Here, in my school bag.
4: There you have it, you clodhopper.
1: And they both settle down to work. Rudolf is sitting in the bright light of a table lamp, finishing off an architectural drawing. In the other corner, Martin is reading from his grandfather's memoir. This is 1938, so the memoir still consists of a pile of papers, still far from being sorted out. At first, Martin is struggling to decipher the handwriting, but he soon gets used to it. He is taken back to the village of Osek, back in the 1850s, when his grandfather
2: Shimon was a little boy. My parents were very devout, and Papa was well versed in the law. He, he could, could spend, spend hours, hours with Maroney in contemplation of the
5: Holy Scripture, and since he also enjoyed discoursing with Christians, he had a good knowledge of the New Testament too. His friends would often tell him what the father had said in his sermon, and whenever there seemed anything not quite right about it, or if he thought the priest was mistaken, he would take down his copy of the New Testament and look it up for himself. We kept the religious festivals in proper style. Our favourite as children was Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, which we called unto the greenery in memory of the times when our ancestors spent 40 years in tents in the wilderness. We, their descendants, would also spend eight days in a booth we called a suke. The booth would be attached to the side of the house. It consisted of a beautiful wooden lattice ceiling covered with an awning and another cover on its underside. We would spend the week before the festival setting up our canopy and decorating it. When we got back from the synagogue, Mama would bring a very large supper because food in an open room without a ceiling soon got cold and we would eat in style. I was pleased when Papa praised my week's work. Once I climbed up onto the awning to see what it looked like when people were eating below in the shiny booth. I had forgotten that fir tree needles fall as they get dry and when I touched it, All the plates and bowls below were immediately full of needles. Our used to come back to my mind when I was already a grandfather, and my children were decorating the Christmas tree for their own children. I used to enjoy watching them, because it is also an act of devotion to make children happy, even if it comes from another faith.
3: Martin, Martin, what about your homework?
2: I'm just reading grandfather's diary.
3: We must get round to copying it all out. You could do some illustrations. It's getting dark. Will you draw the curtains?
1: Martin has drawn the curtains. He doesn't see me or the brass plaques in the pavement below. I long to be able to change something, to find some way of putting history right, of warning them. This is a family like my own. I have two children too. I live just round the corner. And we also speak the same mixture of languages at home. When I dip into Sancta Familia, I feel as though I'm sitting there with the family and with my own family. I feel they come back to life. But this is an illusion. There is a gulf between us, not just of time, but also the whole tragedy that unfolded in the months and years that followed.
3: It's high time you got a bit more exercise.
2: But I have too much to do for school and I've got to practice my English.
3: Du, ja, du. Du hast gar nichts zum reden. No excuse at all. Other children go skating and goodness knows when you were last time at the swimming pool.
2: But mom, how could you even say such a thing? I was there yesterday.
3: And that's all you do to take care of your body. Zweimal die Woche a
2: That means splashing around a bit twice a week.
3: I'm sure that everyone in your class goes skating at least once a day.
2: Yeah, and it shows. It is the stupidest thing I can think of. Going round and round in a circle. Taková volovina.
3: Yes, yes. If it was up to you, you'd have rotted away by now. To a hundtuch fault, Just as well, you have your mother to keep you on your toes. You're almost as lazy as Tomáš. We had to bully him into doing everything too. He never went anywhere on his own. I wonder if he'll be doing any proper swimming or sport there. He did promise.
1: In Sancta Familia, Tomas has just left for Paris, on his way to America.
3: And your English? is nothing to write home about either. You're as idle as the night. Just wait. I'll test you on your vocabulary later. Then we'll see how good you really are. Hold your spoon properly and stop playing with the salt. Come on, let's hear the past tense of I am.
2: Of I am? But not over supper.
3: Very well. But woe betide you if you get it wrong. Neglecting your English, not doing any sport. Bone idle, that's what you are. But I'll get you into shape.
1: I would love to have a look, that would be very nice. Jerry Turner and I are with Colin Wells in his living room in Oxford. We are looking through his family things, kept in a number of big plastic boxes. Jerry remembers what the, happened the, when, the, when Colin so first showed he, him and his Czech wife Alice what was inside. Back in the
0: mid nineteen eighties. Colin produced the box and from the box came um, this bound manuscript with a nice little coloured drawing on the, on the cover and U Bernato in gold print on the spine.
4: We said, we just don't know what this is. It's really, well, I think one of the things we would have said, it's, it's by this tap called Simon Wells. Now, the really interesting thing is my brother has a son called Simon Wells and I thought, this is just sort of strange. So we did bring this book to you. You did. And, and, and we was... said we just no idea what it's about at all.
0: My wife started to leaf through it. And then her expression immediately changed and she yelled, I was born here. She'd read the first few pages where the author... It turns out to be Shimon Wells, the great-grandfather of Colin, was born in a village called Osek, near Rocket Sunny. And my wife, Alisa, was born just a few miles away.
5: From my earliest childhood, yes... I mean, from the moment my mother realised she was expecting me, I caused her great worry and distress. The bigger I grew, the greater the torture she suffered. When at last the village midwife was called, and I was due to bless this world with my presence, our whole family was at sixes and sevens. On the evening of the 20th of April, 1853, in a tiny room on the first floor of House number 15 in Osek, hale and happy, I first saw the light of a little oil lamp. It was no easy job for my father to keep my brothers and sisters quiet in the adjoining kitchen, for we had no other rooms. So excited was everybody about my arrival.
0: That evening, we both read through the hundred and sixty four pages it turned out of beautiful copperplate script, and read this intriguing story of a Jewish family in a little Czech village, how his father had been a cloth peddler bringing cloth from Pilsen and selling it around the villages and uh, We were absolutely bowled over by the beauty of it.
5: When I was about three years old, I used to go with my sister Betty, who was four and a quarter years older than me, to meet my father in the evening on his way home with his wares from hawking around the houses. We would stop at the brook uh, by the priest's pool, and she would give me a wash and comb my hair, something I frequently required, and then we would happily carry on up to the appointed mound where Papa would rest his pack and pick it up again more easily. We would wait there and peer into the distance for the first sight of his approach and then we would run to meet him and lead him to the place where the poor soul would take the pack off his back and rest, wiping the sweat from his brow. Papa would rest, the goat would graze and we would tell him all about what had happened to us during the day. And he, in turn, would tell us all about the events of his day and we would chat away happily like that as if we had not seen each other for months.
4: I asked Jerry if he would translate it for us and he did the translation and so that made it available to us as a family.
0: This was the first time that he actually knew something about his ancestors. This was a true labour of love for me. I think it was one of the happiest translations I've ever made. Shimon Wells had had hardly any education, just a few years at the school in Okitsani, and yet the writing is so natural and immensely readable. Translating it meant I had to read it in absolute detail, which I hadn't done up to that time. And I was utterly fascinated And I wanted to know more and more about the life of Shimon and his son Rudolf.
4: Wasn't it only last year or the year before that my pal and I were herding goats and baking potatoes in an autumn field of stubble? Wasn't it only last year or the year before last that I stared into the bonfire until the smoke brought tears to my eyes? Wasn't it only last year or the year before last that I was walking at my papa's side, imploring him to tell me another jolly
1: story? Shimon Wells' family had lived in Osek, near Okitsani in western Bohemia, for many generations. In his memoir, Shimon mentions his father's memories of his own grandmother. And that takes us back to the first half of the 18th century. In all likelihood, the family had lived in Osek far longer even than that. These are the roots of all the family members, whose voices or whose words we hear in the course of this story.
2: I've come
1: to the village. It's less than an hour's drive from Prague to meet children from the village school today. Their teacher has told them about the Vels family and shown them Shimon's memoir, and they take me to see the Jewish cemetery. It's very overgrown and quiet. In the undergrowth, two of the children have found the graves of members of Shimon's family. Here lies Hermann Vedeles, who died at the age of 45. Vedeles is the old name for the Vels family. The text continues in German and then Hebrew.
3: And
1: And another family grave. Here lies Theresia
3: Vedelesova. The
5: six little houses in the street called Jewry contained one family each. The houses were owned by the squire, Count Sternbeck, who rented them out at high rents to the Jews, who were later forced to buy them at a very high price. After all, the Count had to make his living too. But that particular Sternbeck was not the worst of them. His father had been a man of great learning. It was said that the famous German poet Goethe had been a guest at his chateau in Bresina. What we know for sure is that they used to exchange letters and had ties through their common interest in biology and natural history.
1: The children attend the village school. One of them points out that the cottage where Shimon Vels was born is right
3: next door fourteen year- old Martin
1: is reading the description in Ubernatu where Shimon talks of his birth on the evening of the twentieth of April, eighteen fifty three in a tiny room on the first floor of house number fifteen in. Osek, Hail and happy, I first saw the light of a little oil lamp. Martin lives in the same house. He tells me that according to his mum, the Val's family had their shop at the front, lived in the middle part, and kept their animals at the back. That's the bit where Martin's room is. It seems a nice coincidence that Martin has the same name as Shimon's grandson, whom we've already met in 1930s Prague. I've joined the children's teacher, Mrs Stranska, for lunch in the school canteen. One of the cooks asks me what has brought me to Osek. When I mention Shimon Vels, she smiles. My husband is the great-grandson of the midwife who brought Shimon Vels into this world.